And we're back. It's episode 10.1 of the Graphic Content Podcast. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And we, as promised, are here to talk about all things Iron Fist on the small screen. Yes, this is Iron Fist, the Netflix series is where we're covering today. And then we're also going to do uh, well, three hours on Net- on uh, Iron Fist and Ultimate Spider-Man. I-, I-, I think I would rather plunge something sharp but not necessarily weaponized into my face, like oh, okay. uh, like a uh, hundred toothpicks or um, what else is sharp uh, needles, like needles, yeah, acupuncture needles. You turn yourself into pinheads. I was thinking like meat thermometers for a minute. Yeah, all all those included. Oh, you know, okay. No, we're here to talk. The immort- No, no, it's not the Immortal We already Iron. did the Immortal we, Iron Fist. It was almost an Immortal podcast. I mean, that, it was the podcast that would not die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, Iron Fist, can, should we just jump into it? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's just go head first into it. I think we should start off with our overall impressions. Well, uh, first off, there's spoilers. We're fucking talking about this Netflix that's show. That's fair. Go watch the fucking Netflix show and then come back. Uh, and listen to us talk uh, and analyze it. Uh, or or if you've only heard bad things about Iron Fist and you don't give a shit, then by all means, oh, stick yeah. around and listen to the show. You yeah, know? I mean, for sure. Adam and I, we try to be somewhat entertaining at the very <laughs> least. So, um, a for effort, maybe? A, I, definitely. And you know what? I would give Iron Fist an A for effort, if it made any effort. And, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of <sighs> going to be kind of how we start here. So um, I think the format that we're going to follow is as such. We're going to give our overall impressions of the show. Then we're going to dive into the weeds on what we liked. Then we're going to dive into the weeds what we didn't like. And then we're going to give it our five-star rating, which I think should be five iron fists. You know, how many fists out of five? No, not f- five heroin bags with a shallow on it. Uh, that wasn't Shallow's. That that was. They said it was Shallow, but that wasn't Shallow. Oh, okay. Because yeah, no, they 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 didn't know what the fuck they were talking about in this <laughs> show. So I think I'm kind of tipping my hand as to how I feel about this series. Um, if you did listen to uh, episode 10.0, which was uh, Iron Fist in comics, you'll know that Iron Fist is my favorite Marvel comics character. It just hit me at the right time, the right place. As far as solo comic characters go, he just he was the bee's knees for me. I love Iron Fist, and overall I was disappointed by this series. That's not to say that there wasn't things that I, I did not like about it. There were things that I definitely liked about it, and I'm not going to be like the TV critics um, out there who, if you look at Rotten, T- Rotten Tomatoes, do you know what its score is? What? I, 17%. No shit. No shit. That's, wow. I thought like 36 or I, maybe and even that's 40. Kinda, you know, if you're thinking aggregated scores, I was thinking that it, it should hit like maybe a 4 or 5 out of 10 or something like that. No, but 17%, wow. I think... That's a little harsh. I think it is a little harsh. I think that... You know, the way that Rotten Tomatoes works, it's it's nothing on Rotten Tomatoes. We've we've been over that. I think last year during the Batman versus Superman con- controversy, there was petitions out there to shut down Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yeah, there were a lot of DC fanboys that were butthurt that Zack Snyder didn't turn in his best effort or his editor sabotaged him or whatever the fuck caused that movie to be the mess that it was. But 
a lot of the hardcore fanboys thought that it was Rotten Tomatoes' fault for just putting bad word out there. No. For the, my overall impression of the Iron Fist TV series is that it was a show unlike Luke Cage. Luke Cage swung for the fences in hitting all the notes of crime in the inner city, race relations in the United States, the corrupt political system. Taking something that could have been potentially very racist in modern-day context. And almost, I mean, like, like, like nitroglycerin, like pure, unrefined nitro that's explosive just to handle it. And they, they handled it with mostly a deft touch, except for maybe the last three or four episodes of the series, oh, I would say. I thought it was, a, I thought it was masterful. And, and as a whole, I thought it was masterful as well. 8.5 to a 9 out of 10 for yeah. me. You know, obviously, I think that um, Diamondback, spoiler alert, he ends up being the, the, the villain behind the scenes. He was not as strong as Cottonmouth was. I mean, an Academy Award-winning actor now, Maharshala Ali... Um, if I forgive me if I pronounce I don't your even name wrong. try to tackle his name, but and it used it. to be more complicated because I remember him on the forty four hundred, and oh, it yeah. was, and it yeah. was a longer name. It was, it was, <laughs> and and when I first encountered him on House of Cards, I was like, no, nah, I'm not even going to try it. But Maharshala Ali, I mean, he was, I mean. Honestly, I think he was the MVP for the first half of that series. I really enjoyed Diamondback and the whole Cain and Abel story that they told between Luke Cage and, and Diamondback. And I wish, in fact, for Iron Fist, um, I kind of wish that they had done that yeah. with Davos and Danny and had that be the heart of the story because he, I felt like the guy playing Davos was the best thing in the show. He was so Good. I mean, when he appeared in, I, and I don't have my notes in front of me, but I want to say it was episode six, episode seven. I think it was seven. I think you're right. I think it was seven. And, uh, you know, he knocks the guy out in the taco truck or the hot dog truck. Oh, or yeah. And he's just making shuriken out of tinfoil and just sinking them into a metal The fact wall. that they were going into the wall, it's like, what the fuck is he doing? And who is this guy? Right. And I, I mean, the minute I saw him, I'm like, okay, that's Davos. That, that has to be Davos. I really enjoyed his performance a lot, but going back to it, I, I think that Iron Fist was all promise. It was it, it was promising, I should say, in what it could deliver. You know, Asian inspired wire foo uh, combat sequences, um, getting into the the mystical side of martial arts, which we haven't seen in a lot of American delivered uh, television content before. Stuff that they kind of teased in Daredevil a little bit. You remember when Madame Gao uh, gave the open hands punch to oh, uh, yes. Daredevil and oh, knocked him yes. back like 20 feet? And I thought we were going to see shit like that in this show. And we did it. So For a kung fu show, it had very little kung fu. I mean, true kung fu. You know, as far yeah. as... Far as we understand it through pop media. I, exactly. I, I don't think Adam... Adam and I... I I'm not a wushu master. I don't think you're a Wing Chun master. No, I'm the only thing I'm master of is the pizza in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I think you're just a pizza boy. Yeah. And uh, I, and if you were to meet me, you would say that I'd be the master of many pizzas myself. So those were my overall impressions of it. Adam, I'm overall. Overall. Jeez, I was 
Overall, I felt like I was watching something that was made in the 90s on syndicated television. Yeah. And it was like a decent syndicated TV show. Okay. From the 90s. Okay. It wasn't the worst, but it wasn't great. And I guess it was a a way to kill an hour after school if I were in eighth grade. You know, it'd be those hour-long syndicated shows that'd be on like Saturday at four o'clock. Exactly. on, On like an independent television station. But the problem is when you set the bar like you have with Daredevil, like you have with Jessica Jones, like you have with Luke Cage, mediocre... Be- in comparison is extremely noticeable it's it's well mediocre becomes absolutely fucking awful yeah it, it's 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 more than just noticeable it is terrible and it, it's it's just it just shines through that much more and i i think i want to get into it more when we get into the weeds of what are likes or dislikes but let me let me have you start things off adam you know what were some of the things that you really really liked about it Gosh, um, I didn't like anything about it. it. No, I'm kidding. You did. It's, it's tough because there was so much that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, I did like. I, as we said, I liked Davos. Yeah. I thought that was he was the best part. I liked Rosario Dawson. Is Claire Rosario Dawson is is just. I mean, talk about the connective tissue between all of the Marvel Netflix universe shows. That was one thing that when she came in, I was it was almost like a source of comfort. Yeah. And even though there's been like a pretty a fairly poor constructed story around it, mm-hmm. I felt like her parts were the same Claire T- Temple that we got in Luke Cage and the same Claire Temple we got in Daredevil. And that's and I really enjoyed that. You know what's funny is is that TV shows they've they've gone out of their way for these Netflix these now these four Netflix series go out of their way to each have their own showrunners to have their own feeling their own um, voice as a series and yet Claire Temple her her arc from when we first meet her in season one of Daredevil to um, when we first see her in uh, I want to say it was episode five of Iron Fist. Was yeah, it, it was something. Like, it was something like that. It yeah. was. It was something. It was fairly five. early on. Yeah, I want to say it was episode five. And anyway, her arc has has never stopped. And I think having now five different showrunners, if you consider that there were two different showrunners between season one and season two on Daredevil. Oh, there was. There was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Stephen S. Denight only did the first one. Oh, that's right. I remember that. But the team whose name escapes me right now, they're the ones who are going to be showrunning the eight episode Defender series. Which Wait, is Defenders is only going to be eight episodes? Only eight episodes. Okay. Whoops. I think it's a smart play. I I would rather have a shorter Run wanting more than something that's dragged out. Spend more money per episode, okay? Yeah. Like yeah. they could have benefited in Iron Fist. Yeah, absolutely. They really could have benefited for some, from some real wire foo action. I don't want to get into my negatives just yet. But, um, but yeah, I think Claire Temple was definitely one of the best things about this series. I mean, just hands down. Rosario Dawson, in just about anything that Rosario Dawson does, I'm pretty much down for. I think she's just awesome. She, Yeah, she's she's great. Plus, she's one of us. I mean, she, she, she is a bona fide nerd. And she's visited Stockton 
before. No. Yeah, my uh, a guy I know who's a who's a rapper. His name's uh-huh. Awkward's. Okay, and he was very much around the p- political season. He was uh, he was with Bernie, and okay. right as Bernie was about to get shut out. Uh, Rosario Dawson was traveling up and down and following Bernie. No kidding. And yeah, she she stopped by uh, she stopped by Stockton huh. and hung out for I think a couple of hours and then headed up to Sacramento. Cool, cool. I had a friend who at a Bernie Sa- Sanders rally met Susan Sarandon. That's that's pretty weird. It that's is pretty cool. weird. That's cool. It's cool, but it's way off track. Yeah. So uh, we love you, Rosario. Uh, anytime you want to jump in on the show, we'd love. I to love have how you. you just talk to people <laughs> like they're fucking listening or something like that. Uh, always assume positive intent, Adam. You know, yeah. I mean, if you put it out there in the universe, it could come back to you. You know, one day. you're right. I've had. There's been times on social media where I've <laughs> tweeted somebody, and I like, I'm like, they're never going to read this. And I've had that bite me in the ass where I've I've thrown out criticisms that and, ha, that have gotten me blocked. Yeah. After and then I and then I I have to eat crow and I look back and I'm like you know maybe that that wasn't the smartest move on my part. People do actually give a shit. Yeah, they and do. They, they do and pay they, attention. You know these these we forget that they're people sometimes. You know yeah. not just you. I do this the exact same thing. Only I try to say mostly positive things on Twitter. When I really want to rant, I go on a podcast. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> like Axel Alonzo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with with Iron Fist, what was some stuff that you really dug about it? What was there anything from the show that spoke to that kid who discovered uh, Iron Fist in the comics? Well, I'll tell you what. Just the fact that there is an Iron Fist show is kind of amazing. I never thought we were going to see it. What I was worried about, and you you might have read this. I don't know if you have, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. In 2003, um, I don't think it was Oh, Fox. Ray Park. Ray Park yeah. was signed, and he was going to be like a co-producer on an Iron Fist feature film. And having, look, dude, you know I'm a major Star Wars fan. Darth Maul, that fight was the only thing to pretty much like about The Phantom Menace, right? Yeah, yeah. he made Darth Maul work and all that shit. All of that. And to see him play the Toad in X-Men, I thought the fight sequences were fine. I thought him playing, you know, doing the fights and whatnot. He was, he was so great to go from one role to the other yep. and totally, like, chameleon into those roles. Well, and then there was, like, the little shit that he did with the bow staff as the Toad. It's like, hey, remember me? I was Darth Maul. You know, there was that bit. That was that, fun for but, me. But that was, that was Brian Singer, hey, do that thing because people will like you for it. Yeah. But... I I hadn't seen Ray Park truly act as the lead in a film, and I was kind of worried in 2003. It's like, are they going to turn Danny Rand into a British guy, and he's just going to have the chest tattoo and nothing else? So I was a little concerned about that feature film ever getting made. Um, I was lucky in the fact that it never was made, so my fears were never realized, or overcome. I should say that Ray Park could have knocked it out of the park. Well, I remember. Get, get what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, no, I was excited whenever I heard that. Yeah. But I was also excited when they said Nick Nick Cage was going to be Ghost Rider. So, there's, so there's you the, know. But, but we didn't know that Nick Cage was sliding into that I don't give a shit phase of his career. Yeah. We were thinking leaving Las Vegas. We were thinking The Rock. We were thinking... 
Um, uh, Fuck. I'm well, told, I had that same thing where you were Raising like, Arizona. I was thinking that Nick Cage. Well, whenever you said, for me, like you said with Rosario Dawson, she's one of us. Right. Same with Nick Cage. He's one of us. That's right. So I was like, you know what? He's going he's gonna to do a good job, and he's, he gives a shit about the role, so this will be great. And then they gave him the director of Mark Daredevil. Stephen Johnson, yeah. you can eat my ass. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm going to say offensive things on the podcast, not on Twitter. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Mark Stephen Johnson, who was the mastermind behind the Daredevil film with uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. Oh, speaking of which, he was the mastermind behind the Electra film, and he was the mastermind behind the Ghost Rider film. And in other words, he, he is not a mastermind. He is actually a dumbass when it came to all three of those characters. Yeah, which tells you, with with a lot of those characters, they have to give them breaks yes. between uh, between yes. the media. You know, if something tanks uh, or is shitty, they have to give it a break before they bring it back. Batman, look at the time gap between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. Absolutely. And with Daredevil... They I want to say it was a good... God, was it eight or nine years that they gave Something that? like... I mean, they yeah. gave it the break of all breaks before... Yeah. Uh, before Christopher Nolan and with Daredevil, out. he completely um, that show completely wiped out Ben Affleck from people's minds. Well, between that and Jersey Girl and a couple of other bad choices, paycheck. Well, I, I'm, I well, mean, I'm talking about the Daredevil film and yeah, I mean, no, it, it bullseye with a oh. bullseye on his head and all that bullshit. Although you know what, Colin Farrell was somewhat enjoyable to watch a bullseye. <laughs> When he killed the fly with the pen or whatever. My guilty know. pleasure in that was Mark Michael Clark Duncan as the kingpin. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, can, I can dig that. But go, going back to it, like in the fact that we have Daredevil as such a, a wonderful topic of discussion really makes me sad about Iron Fist. Yeah. But you know what? As a kid, there was the seven-year-old in me who was like, yeah, it's Iron Fist. This is going to be the shit. And it wasn't. But it was shit. It, it was shit. I, I didn't. Th- it was not the shit, but yeah. just a shit. You yeah. know, I, I'm not going to go into any more scatological references here. I'm just going to move away from that. Yeah. But I will say that the fact that, there were, that they even took the chance on this character, I thought was, was great. Um, I didn't think Finn Jones was all bad. I think that the the problem with Finn Jones was is that he was only given three months of fight training. Oh, was he? Just three months. You can't do shit in that time. You cannot do crap with three months. And it's not like they didn't know this show was coming around well, the bend. Joe Mangiello, or however you Manginella. say it. Yeah, he's going to be Deathstroke in the Batman movie, well, supposedly. Well, that's a little up in the air right now. Well, here's now. the thing. He's already gone into fight training for yeah. it. Yeah. And he, as you said, that may be up in the air, but he's fucking prepping about two years in advance. Right. And if you look at him standing next to Ben Affleck, who's also built like a silverback gorilla, you, these yeah. two men, you could totally see them take each other on. Um, Charlie Cox might have only gotten three months of fight training. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is Charlie Cox's fight scenes in the Daredevil series, the two series that he did, was leaps and bounds better choreographed than it was in Iron Fist for the whole 13-episode run of the series. Um, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, well, they had super strength, so there's different things that you can do with that. Uh, And it's relatively cheap to imply superhuman strength in one of these television shows. But I feel like Finn Jones needed more time, and this is a guy who had very, very well-done fight scenes in Game of Thrones, 
as the Knight of Roses. I forget. Well, this uh, is the first time I've ever seen Finn Jones do anything. Okay. I mean, he was great. I thought he was great as Marjorie's brother, and I can't remember the character's name, um, but that he was really good in Game of Thrones as the character he played. Um, so he was somebody I thought that could uh, could um, absorb fight training, and I don't think he was given enough. So I, I didn't mind Finn Jones in the role at all. In fact, I saw potential with Finn Jones. So that's that's one thing that I like. Another thing that, uh, that or another person, I should say, definitely not a thing, but a person who delivered in the Iron Fist TV series was Jessica Henstridge as Colleen Wing. Um, her fights were the shit. They I mean, were way better than anything they gave Finn Jones. Yeah, I, I think um, they really committed to those cage fighting sequences they did with her. You know, that was probably the best fighting in the entire series. Honest to God, it was. And it wasn't the last time that there were multiple opponents to fight for either of those two characters. I'm not saying that all of the fight scenes were terrible. Um, there were the, the They were mediocre. They were mediocre. And serviceable. The, and serviceable throughout most of the series, but some were better than others. Like when Danny... And and Colleen fought the Hatchet Gang, the Triad Hatchet Gang in the in the hallway. Obviously, it didn't compare to the two different Daredevil yeah. hallway fight scenes. Well, stairwell fight scene for one, and hallway fight scene on the other. But I still thought it it was it was fun and reminiscent of other things. Like we talked about uh, the Legend of Drunken Master in the last episode. So that, it, that it, was a pretty cool it was, fight when he he fights the Drunken Master dude. Oh, in in episode. Nine, yeah, something like that. But when they go to China, yeah, and when he fights the actual hand drunken master, that was really good, yeah. And it wasn't because of anything Finn Jones did; it was because the dude who played the drunken master guardian of that warehouse, he was really good. Holy crap, it was good. What was funny was he threw me off with his accent. It was a little weird, wasn't it? it? I liked it, though. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I was like, that's a cool curveball. Yeah. So what else did I like about it? Madam Gao was back. I was fully expecting her to turn into a crane and fly away at one point, <laughs> but I didn't get to see her as crane mother. So there was a lot of stuff that I liked. I I also liked not Ward Meacham, but Joy Meacham. I enjoyed yeah, her character she was quite good. a bit. I enjoyed Carrie Ann Moss as, as Jaren Hogar- Jerry Hogarth. They didn't have her enough in it, in my oh, opinion. Oh, God, I would have loved... Because she was so integral to the Iron Fist character in the comic book series, the early one, and then the Heroes for Hire, as well as the Immortal Iron Fist uh, stuff. I thought they were going to have her a lot in this, and she was only in two or three episodes. Still, hands up, it was great to see Carrie Ann Moss she in that role. She killed what she was given. Oh, my but God. But she should have been given more. She owned the room when she was in a scene. I mean, she owned the oh, room. Oh, when they do that whole thing of uh, trying to prove that Danny is Danny yeah. to the to the Meacham, to the Meachams and mm-hmm. the, the board of directors and yep. the lawyers there, like, I wasn't going to fuck with her. No. No, she she came from a high priced law firm, and she was ready to kick some Meacham ass, and she did exactly that. The other thing that I liked is I liked the expansion of the hand. That the hand was um, it was more than just a clan of evil ninjas that descend from the ceilings in darkness all the time. I liked that part, but there's a a double edged sword with that comment that I'm going to reserve for my future statement. So just. Put a pin in that one. Okay. Um, I liked what they tried to do with the hand. Maybe that's a better way to put it. 
you know, how they recruit people into the hand, how they show them that the hand are actually good guys in this war for supremacy of what? I don't know because they never explain it in the series. There was some charisma by the by um, uh, Colleen Sensei, um, the guy who played Bupito, Bukido, Bakudo, Bakudo, Hakuna Matata, I don't know, Bakudo. Um, he he had some pretty legitimate fight scenes, give or take. I, I was I was uh, I, I liked I, I thought he was good for the most part. You know, again, he exuded that kind of dripping evil charisma. Um, so I'll tell you what, Adam is now shaking his I'm, head. I, at there's what so I just, many things he said, and I'm just like shaking I, my head. So out like, no. How about no. what we do is then we talk about what we don't like about it because yeah. obviously I think we both have things <sighs> there's to say to talk about what we hated, what we were disappointed by. You know what? Um, I didn't hate anything. I was disappointed by it. Okay, everything. fair enough. So give me a few beats. Um, so one of my th- things I was excited about was Madame Gao and seeing her come back. And as the story unfolds and as you see what goes on with the hand, I realized what worked about the hand and what worked about Madame Gao and Daredevil mm-hmm. is less is more. Yes. And they didn't do... It wasn't even close they had no mystery around the hand or very little mystery around Madame Gao. Well, I'll tell you what. I think there was, there was some misfires with this one because they say that Danny trained at a place called the Temple of the Crane Mother, which as a diehard fan of the comic book, The Immortal Iron Fist, just drove me up a fucking wall. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of like, what the fuck are you talking Why about? Why are you mixing the mythology? You could do second, look forward into the future, into the second, the third, the fourth seasons. Talk about maybe just meeting another capital city of heaven on your quest to find Kun Lun. It was a needless reference. It was ne- they, sh- they could have easily have said the Temple of the Thunderer, you know, referring to Lake oh, Kung. That, that would have made sense. That would have made sense for us comic book fans. Now, for people who were not comic book fans, they wouldn't have gotten it. And they wouldn't have cared. I like the actress who played Madame Gao. I thought they overused her a little bit, especially towards the end yeah. of, of, of this season. But I think she is a, one of those threats that they could have just pulled back on just a little bit, but still had... a you know, but still giving us more like they did with her. Anyway, I interrupt you, Adam. Um, the other thing I didn't like was when Davos says Danny is the first outsider to become the Iron Fist because then you just cut off fucking Orson Randall, who I love. Right. And I was just like, what the fuck, man? You just, you just cut off like a whole bunch of story that could have been told there. And... Like, I loved about a mortal Iron Fist, there was this whole thing of Wendell Rand, you know, wanting to be Iron Fist and then running away from Iron Fist and then trying to come back to Cunlum with his family. Right. And that whole thing uh, pretty much got shit on. It, it really did. And, and, and here's the thing. Look, we understand as comic book fans that sometimes in service of a, the different medium, changes need to be made. I totally get that. I enjoy Marvel Cinematic Universe films, okay? I, I like the first Iron Man movie quite a bit, but we both know, Adam and I, that Iron Man got his, his, his Iron Man suit, his first Iron Man suit in the jungles of Vietnam, not in the deserts of Afghanistan. Okay, that's the first thing. You know, Captain America. 
Um, they changed the whole idea behind the Winter Soldier from what Ed Brubaker wrote to what was what was delivered in the movie, but they still delivered on the intent of the characters. Captain America Civil War wasn't Marvel Comics Civil War. It was this whole other thing. You say delivering on intent of the character? Yes. I feel like that's what made Davos so good. Exactly. So they delivered on the intent of Davos, but then they cut themselves off from so much source material by saying, fuck Orson Randall. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? I mean... We didn't talk about Orson Randall for a reason, because we want people to read the last Iron Fist story in the Immortal Iron Fist comics. But I'll tell you what, the idea of the time frame of a character of a character who operated in the time frame of the Shadow, of Doc Savage, the Spider, Justice Incorporated, the Avenger, all those great pulp novels of the 1920s, and as well as, you know, like the early costumed comic book characters like the Crimson Avenger, the Sandman. Batman. The the golden age of, of pulp heroes. Exactly. You, you know, you could have had references to that, flashbacks to that. Not to mention, possibly even introducing Orson Randall in the second se- season of, uh, of Iron Fist. But again, that's a fanboy complaint. I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Well, I, I just, just felt feel- like the whole... The whole story structure was a mess. Yeah. And that was the big heartbreak of it all, was the story structure was a mess. And when, like, the stuff with Orson Randall when we're fanboying, I don't feel like it's armchair writing or armchair producer or whatever the fuck. Armchair quarterback. Yeah, is, I, don't fe- I don't feel like it's that because I just feel like the stories almost write themselves. Right. It it doesn't take a whole lot of work to to just look into this shit. Right, right. Just just explore the possibility of it. Don't cut yourself off from anything that would cause another showrunner or your writer's room to have to jump through leaps and go to you know make these leaps and bounds in logic to get that character back into the storyline. If they decide, you know what, Orson Randall is an awesome character. Let's have him in the next. <laughs> I, I also they, feel like I mean they they they. They made it. They made their job harder, not just with Orson Randall, but with pretty much all of the modern mythology that's been written about Iron Fist. And and I feel like they wrote Danny Rand as a fucking idiot. It, I well, he comes in backed into the world and is like, "Hey, I'm Danny Rand." They're like, "Where have you been?" He's like, "Kun Lun," and they're like, "You're crazy." Get he's the like, fuck out of here, kid. Yeah, and then he's and like, then Kung Fu fight. And that's then it's like. Yeah, Bullshit. he's like, well, why don't you believe me? This is reasonable. Because you look like a fucking hobo. Get the fuck out of the building. And it's like, Nimrod. how do you not have, <laughs> how do you become the Iron Fist and not have that fucking awareness of people aren't going to believe this. This is crazy. This isn't normal. Right. How do you, how the fuck do you do that? I don't understand how you n- don't have the ramifications, uh, at least in mind, of what you're about to do. Yeah, I, I, I really don't understand. I, I think that they were, they were, this is just my opinion, but it was so heavy-handed, the idea of a, of, a, of a person who walks in two worlds. We've kind of alluded to that in the previous episode, that Danny Rand is an outsider in two worlds. He's an outsider in Kun Lun. He's an outsider in Manhattan. He's a guy who is not comfortable anywhere. And for, you know, 
I'll tell you, I just became really kind of. Are you are you okay? You might have heard some coughing off. Um, Adam really likes his water, and uh, it he, has bones in it, Jim. Well, that's the good stuff. So I, I totally agree with you that you know it, it, they spent so much time, three episodes, three solid, and part of the fourth episode dedicated only to. Oh, Danny's a hobo in a park, but he's really the son of of two dead billionaires and blah, blah, blah. And they don't believe it's really Danny. And we're going to psychologically examine him so we can find out what makes Danny Which you don't see the actual fucking Iron Fist until like the third episode. I know. I mean, it's like, come on, guys. The idea of walking as a stranger in two worlds is not new in fiction, Okay. Forget Iron Fist as a comic book for a minute, okay? You know who's another character who worked, who walked in two worlds? Fucking Adam Strange from DC Comics, okay? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go even further back. You want to go further back? Let's go back to two different creations by Edgar Rice Burroughs. One's name was Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. John Carter of and Mars. And John Carter, Warlord of Mars, is that these are two guys who... You know, one exists on Mars slash Barsoom, and the other one exists on Earth. And and Tarzan, he's he's got one foot in England and one foot in the in the in the jungles of Africa. Well, if you pull forward and look at Doctor Strange that just fucking came out, right? You know, it one foot in the mystical, one foot in the medical. Exactly. I, I mean, this is not new in storytelling. It's not new. So you don't have to jam it down our throats that people don't believe that Danny Rand is Danny Rand. And Danny Rand shouldn't be an idiot he, just coming in being like, well, I'm, fuck, I'm Danny Rand. How do you not believe me? Right. Like, he should have some tact. Being the Iron Fist, you would think there's some wisdom there. And there's some confidence in who you are. You know, sort of a zen. And it's funny, my wife, Anne Marie, she doesn't read a ton of comics, but one of the comics I've gotten her into in the last dozen or so years we've been married is The Immortal Iron Fist. And she really had a problem with they, them playing with um, Danny having post-traumatic stress and anxiety disorder. You know, those, those you know, when the, the, the lens of the camera goes all scratchy and he flashes back to the plane crash. That plane crash scene was done so awfully and so cheesy. It was, it I was really terrible. It. And they kept flashing back to it. And I was just like, A, his mom is stupid. So I guess this is where he gets it so from. So when the, when the plane is rocking and rolling, I'm going to take my seatbelt off to, to just whisper, everything's going to be okay, Danny. It's like, fuck off, mom. Yeah. You know, I mean. And then he watches her fly out the. The, 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 the ceiling, you know, and I'm kind of sitting there thinking you deserve that. I mean, <laughs> for being so Jesus dumb. Christ. I mean, there's a reason why you wear your seatbelt. I think you could have gotten the idea to Danny across the room. Hey, keep your seatbelt on, honey. We're going to be okay. Because in the comic book series, Danny, Danny Rand's mom survived the plane crash with him and helped get him Almost to the point of Kunlun. And she's fucking eaten by wolves. By fucking wolves. How awesome would that have been? To... Look, there is no better way to go out as a parent, I would think, not having kids of my own, but to defend your children. And I mean, just to show the the primal dedication to, to your spawn that you are going to keep them alive. And, and it's such a senseless but logical... 
thing right. that would happen. And it would also tell, teach Danny Rand is to protect other people from wolves, is to put yourself between, between the good guys, the, the ones that can't defend themselves, and the wolves that are nipping at their heels. You know, There are those little subtle storytelling pieces that were just completely missed by, by the showrunner and the writer's room of this series that I felt like they really could have drawn on the work of, I don't know, Ed Brubaker, who is besides being one of the most lauded men in comics, has been writing screenplays for television and films the last and Matt few Fraction's years. Fraction's dipped his toe in that as I well. I was going to say, but do you know Brubaker worked on on Westworld for HBO? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not a guy who doesn't understand the whole concept of fucking writing. So I'm I'm sorry because the the thing that pisses me off about this is that the showrunner is a guy by the name of of Scott Buck, who has did this little show for Showtime called Dexter. The entire run of the series of Dexter. Um, you, did you ever hear of it? I, I, it was a very popular series. I about heard s- about it, but I never saw it. It was a very popular series about a serial killer who went after other serial killers. That was, that was his thing. And he worked as a, a criminalist for the Miami Police Department uh, during the day. Um, he also did this show called Six Feet Under about a family. I've heard of that, too. On HBO that runs a funeral home with some tremendous actors and tremendous performers. So Scott Buck is not a terrible writer. Scott Buck is not a terrible creator. He's a guy who just did not get Iron Fist. He did not get the idea of this, of Danny Rand as this guy who has had to calm his own inner dragon. He had to, you know, accept the beatings of Lake Hung the Thunderer. He had to learn that sort of Zen Buddhist kind of way of living so that he could tame his own emotions, his own fear. So he could fight a dragon for the power of the iron fist. And by the way, the dragon was bullshit in the series. Yeah. The was- dragon was bullshit. It was two red eyes in a fucking cave. And that's all the, Oh yeah. All of show loud that we well, get to see it, it. When you're, as you're watching the series, it kind of makes sense because you, you feel like they got the leftover budget. But- of Thrones does three dragons as time, and they're flying around shooting fire out of their mouths, fucking dudes up. But, but just, here's the I thing. I wanted a little bit of the fight other than two red eyes like it was fucking Beastmaster. Here's, well, here's the you thing. <laughs> with with the Netflix series, just pretend they're all coming out of the same budget. Right. And then they were like, oh, Daredevil, that's we got the money that we need. Uh, Jessica Jones, we got the money that we need. Luke Cage, okay, we got the money that we need. And then they get to Iron Fist and they're like, oh, oh shit, this is added up to a lot more than we thought it We did. can't do a CGI dragon. What the fuck so, are you guys thinking so, about? And then fucking, we can't do quality scenes that don't look like they've been in a green screen room. And Yeah, it, it, look. Like, and- especially anything with Kun Lun was just... Super cheesy and not well done. It really wasn't. And and look, full disclosure, Adam and I are not professional creatives. You know, we're guys who just consume pop media. We're fans. And we're not fans to the exclusion of Iron Fist needed to be this, this, and this. I'm okay not seeing the the yellow bandana. Sure. I And I was essentially okay with it also. You know, I didn't need to see superhero Iron Fist yet. I would like to see superhero Iron Fist. We like better fucking get it in the Defenders. Well, I was going to say, we got to see superhero Daredevil at the end of season one. 
you know. Yeah. And, and well, even then, we got to see the Frank Miller, John Romita Jr. outfit from Man Without Fear for pretty the first, much. Yeah. For the first little bit. Good call. And I wish that they'd had something like that for Danny Rand, but they didn't. But they didn't. You know, opting instead for oh wait a minute, wait for it, wait for it. Like you've never seen this before. There's going to be ch- be a chase between the hero being chased down by three or four gun wielding thugs through Chinatown during a Lunar New Year parade. I mean, how many times have we fucking seen that before in a show? Is that just came off cheap to me. And a lot of the series came off cheap. A lot of the series came off cheap. I mean, how many times did they reuse the establishing shot of the Rand Corporation building? I mean, any time that they needed to say, oh, we're going into the Rand Corporation building, you got that same fucking 90-degree shot of this giant skyscraper, it's like like it was a fucking '90s sitcom. Honestly, well, back at the corporate headquarters, Danny's run into a little bit of trouble with the Meacham twins. <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of any of the Meacham stuff. Any honestly, of it. honestly, I wasn't. I thought Harold Meacham. It was a confusing villain to throw in there. Um, he and he between hit, him and the hand, it didn't make any goddamn sense who was doing what and why. Why they needed to keep him in the apartment was never revealed. You know, they the Harold Meacham, they cure him of cancer, essentially make him immortal, and we're going to keep you in a fucking penthouse, you know? Why not just be like, he was cured of cancer, end of story, let's go. Yeah, no, we, we couldn't have that. We couldn't have any of that. And was, the hand never explained why they had to, to keep him underground for that. It was, it was a bullshit dangling plot thread. Bullshit dangling plot thread. Plot hole. Plot hole. I mean, there's me in a fucking semi-truck driving down like US-1 from the comics and going through that plot hole. Um, Ward Meacham was a complete bullshit, typical 80s coke addict corporate mogul type. And his addiction shit comes out of nowhere. Is just all... I mean, you see him popping pills, right? But let's be honest, we live in the 2010s, right? We live in the 21st century. People take anti-anxiety medication. People take antidepressants. And he was so cheesy about it whenever oh, he'd God. pop it in. And then, then he started getting addicted, and then it's like... And then he just jumps from pills to heroin? I'm like, going to go ahead and jam this carcinogenic heroin straight up my nose hole. I mean, fucking yeah. come on. I yeah. mean, it was... There's a fucking serpent... <laughs> On the yeah. bag of heroin. That's his, That's like the next best thing to a skull and bones. Yeah. It's like, this shit will fucking kill you. But he still puts it up his nose. Yeah, and he had two gears. Oh, God. He had two gears of, of serious... <laughs> Uh, serious and brooding and <laughs> fucking angry. And high. And, and, and high. <laughs> and that was it. As an actor, I don't know if they just didn't give him the stuff to work with or if he didn't understand the character. Holy but shit. I felt like he was very two-dimensional. I, I wanted to like Ward Meacham. I really did because he seems... Oh, they, I feel like they set him up to fail from the beginning. I, especially I know you're that, right. that cheesy shot with the three of them as young teenagers oh, in episode fuck. one. And Danny's like, you always kick me in the balls. And Stop I'm just, kicking me in the balls. And I was just like, what the fuck, man? This is so dumb. And it... it it's too bad because, you know, unfortunately, I said earlier in my likes, I enjoyed Joy Meacham's performance, even though I thought she was rather pointless in the series as well. But at least she delivered on what her character's 
raison d'etre was, which was she wanted to maintain control of the Rand Corporation. She was an attorney. Uh, she, she, she was, was the a, voice of reason. She was the voice of reason between the two, but she was also 100% dedicated to, to the stability and, uh, and, and, uh, well-being, well-being of the, of the Rand Corporation going forth into the future, no matter what, even at the cost of her own soul, which they actually showed after they go through that settlement negotiation with the cancer yeah. families. I thought she delivered on great performance there. Meanwhile, there's her brother who's like fucking sweating. Like, I need more fucking dragon heroin, you know? <laughs> so, I, 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 you know, and so maybe I'm not being fair to him. Maybe she's just a, a, a middle of the road actress who looked like fucking Meryl Streep compared to what he was, how he was yeah. acting. They shared so many scenes together. Well, and her outfits and the way they dressed her, like they pulled her straight from the late nineties and uh, put they, her in this absolutely. fucking, show absolutely it was just they played a lot on corporate midtown yuppie stereotypes um again harold meacham one of my hate i just i wanted to hate harold meacham i wanted to think that he was a credible threat and when they introduced the idea of him being practically immortal that he dies and gets reborn every three days like fucking lazarus or jesus or something i thought Wow, now that could be an interesting twist. I wonder where they're going to go with this. Well, between the writing and the acting on that one, what we needed was a kingpin caliber guy. Yeah. And we got... He was middle of the road soap actor. But I will say it was cool when he died, was thrown into the swamp, and then the next episode he comes back... When he starts throwing up the Throwing up swamp swamp muck. I mean... That was cool. It would have been kind of cool if they turned him into Man-Thing there. I mean, that could have been like... You might as well have at that point. At that point, they could have said, Fuck it! We're just going to throw Man-Thing in here. Yeah. (laughs) I'm almost sounding like Stan Lee. Hey, kids, why don't I introduce you to the story of the Man-Thing? I mean, that sounds like Stan Lee, who's been locked behind bars for things that uh, are I, highly illegal and I've highly immoral. I've been in the immoral. joint for far too long next door to Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> we show our man things to each other. <laughs> oh, shit. Come on now. Okay, let's bring it back in. Okay, we're putting, let's put man thing back in the box. Okay. okay. <laughs> Dick in a box? Okay, no. <laughs> Thing in a box. So uh, we're now pushing the box off the table. Anyway. and uh, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. God, what else did I hate about this series so much? You know, it, it was a show that when I saw, there was this article, I can't remember what site posted it, but it posted like the titles of all 13 episodes. And all 13 episodes were titles of low-budge martial arts movies. Were they? Yes, they all were. I didn't know that. Yeah. I I thought they were just trying to imitate fucking, like, out of a a fortune cookie. No, they had... uh, The first episode was Snow Gives Way, then Shadowhawk Takes Flight, Rolling Thunder Cannon Punch, Eight Diagram Dragon Palm. That's fucking awesome! I mean, if if you're titling something... Okay, so... Eight Diagram Dragon Palm. Here's the synopsis from Wikipedia. Rand wakes up in the penthouse where Harold reveals that his cancer was secretly cured by the hand, which demanded his loyalty in return and allowed him to reveal the truth only to Ward. That doesn't sound like Eight Diagram Dragon Palm. No, that's not it at all. It should have been pedal to the metal. Fighting through all 13 episodes. Or... It should have been like Daredevil on crack. It should have been. That hallway fight scene, which looked like it wasn't edited, like a single take, but it was like 
sublimely edited to the point where I felt like it was ignored by the Emmy Awards that season. They should have had stuff like that. They should have had stuff from Old Boy, The Raid. I mean, I'm 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 repeating themes here, like Drunken Master, like fucking Project A, like Super Cop, all these great movies featuring fantastic martial arts. Shit, they could have I mean, they borrowed the the fucking synth track from the best of the best movies. I hated the music more than fucking anything else in this movie or in this well, it's a 13-hour movie essentially, right? Yeah. Okay, in this TV series, if you're going to borrow the best of the best soundtrack for your fucking television series, why don't you deliver on the action that best of the best did? I mean, fucking best of the best was the worst American-made martial arts movies of all time. I mean, the fact is, is that Ree, the Korean-American who was like the, who was like the co-champion of the Team USA Taekwondo League with like fucking Eric Roberts, like at one point in the series finds out that he's part Native American and then goes through shamanistic rituals to join the Native American tribe to defeat, like, weird oil prospectors in the in the third installment of the series. Adam, you look like your face is drawn by Steve Dicko right now. I, I, mean, I don't understand anything that you're saying. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. If you're going to give us bullshit stories, okay, you have to back it up with awesome action. Yeah. Okay? Now, look, Daredevil... There was long, talky episodes in both seasons of Daredevils, you know, where they had only maybe one fight scene and but it was brief. Built, they had built the characters yes. to the point to where you were invested and you gave a shit why they were talking about what they were talking about. Exactly. And it was depth. It wasn't just random right. prattle. But you know what? In this, if they wanted to give us just martial arts mayhem with with thin storytelling to it, then they should have delivered on the martial arts mayhem, which they did not do. They just didn't. No. It, it wasn't legit. Now, look, there were some scenes that were fucking great. Like, look, in uh, episode six, Immortal emerges from the cave. Um, that was the episode where Ward threw all of his drugs away. Remember that? It's like, hey, Joy, I'm going to be totally fine. Here, I'm going to put them all in the trash can. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then he, he comes back two scenes later and yells at his secretary, why are all my drugs gone? Yeah. You know, but um, RZA from Wu-Tang. Oh, he directed that He directed episode, that episode. He? Yeah. So uh, that was the one where he goes to uh, rescue the Russian chemist's daughter. That whole plot line could have been so much better. But... It was at least in the format of of what you would expect from a martial arts film. You know, it's I'm gonna. But it them. didn't tie into hardly like like all it served in the plot was right. just that whole section of Madame Gal and trying to take her down and all that shit. Now I am gonna say that I felt like that's where the series began to improve for me. I thought the first five episodes of this show you could sleep through, and you could start with episode six. My problem is, strictly fanboy outrage problem, is that I thought that it was just inspired by, but no, they're actually calling the character Bride of Nine Spiders. When Danny gets poisoned... Yeah, no, that was a big, big, big thing for me, was that whole 90s fight scene out of a fucking uh, Socknid syndicated TV show. But I could take it, because at least I thought the fight scenes, especially between the twin Russians, I thought that was good. Um, I thought, okay, she's just inspired by Bride of Nine Spiders, so she's going to be the one that poison and weakens Danny, and then he's going to fight Scythe in the third, and then Madame Gao basically 
betrays him in the end so that he has to lose the fight for some bullshit reason. Yeah, I I didn't I hated that whole Bride of Nine Spiders thing. The fact okay, and this this goes to the fanboy it, and, outrage. And that, as part of the just reading the Immortal Iron Fist and seeing all of that, yeah. that was an extra burn. They on did it. it. It was look, I totally understand servicing the need of the story, servicing the need of the of, of the story that you're in, in the format that you're telling, okay? So it's a TV series. It's not the comic book. So you don't owe this oath of fealty to the creators or to the characters. You know, you need to do what's best for the TV series. But you could have made some hand poison expert, and it would have been just as impactful as naming the character Bride of Nine Spiders. The only reason why they named that character that character is they wanted to give her a goth look. That was it. Yeah, that was it. It was it was really disappointing to see that. I mean, part of me at first was like, "Oh, Bride of Nine Spiders." I wonder if we're going to see any of the it, like the only thing I got excited about from that was, are we going to see any of the other immortal weapons? Right, like Fat Cobra. Yeah, nope. even John. If they had brought in John Ammon, wouldn't that have been great? That would have made so much more sense than half the bullshit going on in there. Yeah, but they they couldn't do that because they were just picking and choosing things that they liked by surface reaction alone. They didn't give so much as a damn to look into deep into the characters. I mean, the fact of the matter is an entire comic book was written on Bride of Nine Spiders. I mean, as we brought up in the previous yeah. episode, when they did the Immortal Weapon series, which eth- with each episode or each issue, um, giving you an in-depth analysis of each of the Immortal Weapons, you could have done a little bit more with that character. Absolutely. It, more than the, the five or It could have been a female is. hand ninja who was a poison expert. But no. And they did such a poor job with the hand. Again, what made it work in Daredevil was yeah. less is more. Right. And you felt this imminent threat as right. to where I felt like the, the hand later on, especially with Bakudo, just felt like an angry middle school well, full and, of, of wannabe ninjas. And I get what they were trying to do. They wanted to show a different finger of the hand, a different branch. They gave us the middle one. G- <laughs> <laughs> That's what they gave us. They essentially did. No, you, you're absolutely right on that point. Um, but I, I, I give them an A for effort on that piece of it. Uh, it was interesting, but it, it just... And it was so unnecessary to draw Carl, just, Colleen into that bullshit. I mean, come on. Like, it was such a... I felt like they were just grasping for straws as, for, as far as plot twists. Between that and then the whole Harold Meacham is the one responsible for killing Danny Rand's family oh and that bullshit. Oh, my God. It, like, it was just It, it just was just a grasp. Stopped. Yeah, it was a grasp for straws, and and it, it was it was sad. It was sad. It was sad. It Just made my feels ouchy. You know, and uh, yeah, God, I mean, we could really go on forever. I mean, we could go, I mean, we could do an episode by episode breakdown of what we liked, which would be little, and what we didn't like, which would be a lot. But ultimately, this was a show that didn't deliver on its promise of, of delivering you know, high-flying kung fu action. Whenever I heard the critics kind of their their takes on shit, I didn't, like, hear a lot other than just... I didn't look into it a lot other than just, like, they thought this sucked. I was just like, you know what, fuck them. I'm going to watch it and decide for myself because I'm excited for this series. I, you know, and I basically turned my my media meal into Iron Fist everything and uh, just, you know, reading 
as much Iron Fist as I possibly could in my free time uh-huh. uh, to get excited for this series. Oh, I know. We talked about it on the last episode yeah. for well over an hour. And so to have that, especially to go into this and just be like, God damn it, everyone's... I felt like everyone was a little harsh on it, and maybe yeah. we're being a little harsh as to wh- what we feel, but... But, you know, it, look... It I was mean, disappointment. It was disappointing, and, and some of the stuff we do for yucks on this show, I mean, obviously we wanted to make each other laugh through this, but ultimately, Iron Fist was an exercise in disappointment. It was an exercise in short-sightedness. It was an exercise in... In ineptness. In, in as far really, as knowing what well, the source and I would say is. being tone-deaf, and... You know, I, I want to address one thing when it comes to being tone deaf here, and that was kind of what led up to Iron Fist. There was a lot of sturm and drong, you know, like a lot of storm and thunder, uh, you know, lightning and thunder, whatever, um, in advance of it because there was um, many organization, but organizations both inside and outside of Hollywood that wanted to promote um, Asians and Asian American in cinema, which I totally get. And they felt like this was a of the time a cultural. Uh, like, what's the word? Let's 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 use the ugly term. They called it whitewashing. Well, yeah, and you know, and was it, is it cultural at fuck uh, appropriation? Yes, yes, cultural appropriation. And and you know what? You you can make a case if you go back to the comic books, which none of them did. You know, I always heard. You know, in there was in, no, even Marjorie Liu, which I was surprised that right. she somebody jumped who in on knows this. comics, really somebody well. who knows comics and is a, an extremely brilliant individual, talented writer. Um, for yeah. her, for her to 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 come onto this cause and just be like, yes, Iron Fist should be Asian. Why? Because he does fucking kung fu. Right. And I'm just like, there's way more to it than than that. Like there there is a lot more to it than that. I mean, yes, there was some cultural appropriate. In fact, you know what? Let's I'll be frank, as an Iron Fist fan, Iron Fist came around from developed from a case of cultural appropriation back to his roots as Amazing Man when he was created by Bill Everett in the nineteen early nineteen forties when he was recreated from Amazing Man into Iron Fist by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane in the 1970s. Yeah. I mean, he was a white guy found at the steps of, of the Shaolin Temple or the, the, the magical city of Kunlun. He was a white guy to he was a white prep guy. to be the savior of, of, of the weak and defenseless. Asians. Weak and defenseless Asians. You know? And, and I can totally empathize that that sucks. But you know what? Iron Fist went home. Iron Fist went home, and he was a guy who, yes, he received the supreme magical chi power uh, or learned to access it through his trials and travails in Kun Lun, but he went home to Manhattan, where his people were from, and he was just as much an outsider there as he was in Kun Lun. And they really, really tapped that in the second arc of the Immortal Iron Fist series, The Seven Capital Cities of Heaven, as to just how much an outsider Danny Rand was. And not just Danny Rand, but his lineage. His entire lineage, because of his father Wendell Rand, because of Orson Randall, you know, that these white people pretty much appropriating their their art form. Look, I totally get it, but you know what? I, I can't call... I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to say that you're... I don't want to throw back to Marjorie Liu or to anybody who are proponents of an Asian Danny Rand of uh, calling it cultural reappropriation. But the fact of the matter is Iron Fist was a blonde, blue-eyed, 
uh, god of martial arts, just like Chuck Norris was in the 70s. And Chuck Norris, look, let me just say this real real quick, and I I promise I'll let you have it. Chuck Norris was a white guy who made a lot of kick-ass martial arts films in the 70s and 80s. You know who else made a lot of kick-ass martial arts films? Bruce Lee. And you know what Marvel Comics did when it came to Bruce Lee? They made Shang-Chi Master of Motherfucking Kung Fu. That's exactly where I was going. Doug Mensch and Paul Galassi, two of the gods, two of the the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers of comics, as far as I'm concerned, um, made Shang-Chi. And people, and I think people say they wanted Asian American Iron Fist. I don't think so. I think if Shang-Chi had been brought into this whole mm-hmm. defender scheme, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I totally agree with you on that. And, now. and honestly, after seeing what they've given me with Iron Fist, I can't. I either think they would do a worse job with Shang Chi or an extremely well put together Shang Chi show. Well, and and this is the last point that I want to make on Iron Fist is is that this is television. It's not a feature film. Feature film, you get one shot to get it right. Okay, in television. If you get the viewership, you get another season. And despite its 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, and despite the fact that Netflix does not release release its viewership data to the public, all of the, the um, market research companies who track you know, download trends and things like that said that Iron Fist was number two to Luke Cage being the number one most downloaded or streamed show watched on Netflix ever. So they had a tremendous viewership for their first season. Now, my problem is if they take the opportunity of a second season and stay the course, because they can redeem this series with a second season. And look, people say, well, look, if it's shit in, it's going to be shit going out, right? Well, look, I, I like a lot of the DC Universe shows. I like the Guggenheim, DC, Flareoverse, whatever you want to call it. The stuff the that's on the CW. Berlanti Land? Berlanti Land, yes. And uh, one of the shows that, the show that started it all, Arrow, was awesome in its first season. Second season was kind of eh, but you know, that's sophomore seasons for you. Uh, seasons three and four were fucking terrible. They were awful. They got way off track as to what Oliver Queen uh, is as a character, who he is, what he represents. Are they on and all season that. six right they're now? They're on season five right now, and it's fucking awesome so again. So they're writing the shit. They, they brought in a new team. Um, they didn't fire all the writers, but they brought in a lot of new writers and got rid of some of the other ones. And sometimes you just need that new voice. And look, if look, like I said before, Scott Buck was on six or seven seasons of Dexter. He was on five seasons of um, Six Feet Under. This is a guy who knows how to make successful short-run television series. This is a guy who's proven it over and over again. Maybe Scott Buck isn't the guy. Maybe Scott Buck will say, peace out after season one. I've I've been derided too much. I'm an artiste. Fuck you. I'm going to go off and make a feature film now. And they'll get another guy like they did with Daredevil season one and two. I think it was left a lot more amicably with Stephen S. tonight, who had a writing credit in season two. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is either Scott Buck gets gets replaced or he doesn't get replaced. But what needs to happen is, is that there needs to be a complete tonal shift in the writer's room. And they need to figure out not just 
what their bullshit homage to the Danny Rand origin story is, they need to figure out what makes a great Iron Fist story and tell that. And if it's in six episodes, do it in six episodes. British TV does it all the time. Sherlock, you're lucky if you get three se- three episodes every two or three years from Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. You know, um, Luther, you get six episodes every couple of years. Maybe give it a year or two break. And when you have a kick-ass Iron Fist story... Come and back the budget. And a budget. Look, knock down the total number of episodes. Get some wire foo going on. Let's see the flaming hands of, of the chi lighting shit on fire as he's punching it. Let's see him meditate into the the, the pool of revelation in Kun Lun, you know, where he gets to see into the past and the future. At, at least... You know, let's at see, least let's tease see us with those, the immortal weapons. Right, let, let's... Let's see the fantastic grounded in the reality. I mean, look, I can smell New York City when I watch Daredevil, okay? Absolutely. When I see Jessica Jones, my heart breaks. I feel like I'm in the bar with her. I'm in the bar with her listening to her life story. When, I'm, when I see Luke Cage, I see Ferguson, Missouri. I see the problems here in our hometown of Stockton, Adam. I see race relations worn right on its sleeve and pushed right into your face and that there is a story that that needs to be told as it was in Luke Cage. And you could still have a pretty hot, you know, damn fun adventure while handling these really heavy issues at the same time, right? Iron Fist was capable of fucking anything. Of anything. And they decided to just pay lip service to what the Iron Fist character was in the end. And, I couldn't and, have said it better myself. And 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 that's all I got to say on it. I I'm just going to rate it right now. Um, I'm going to give it one fist for uh, for it being an Iron Fist series alone. I'm going to give it another fist for uh, the characters that I liked, the few fights that did work. And uh, that's all I got. I got two out of five fists for this series. I'm in the exact same boat. Yeah. Um, what was the lady that played Colleen Wing? Uh, Jessica Henstridge is the actress's name. Uh, she's gorgeous. She is. I mean, um, that was that was definitely. Oh, speaking you know of, she's gorgeous. The one I didn't get it. I didn't get to go into this. So it was so awkward for uh-huh. me to sit there and watch Danny lose his virginity. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck are we watching? Can you just imply this? I don't want to see like a, a PG porn scene. Honestly, this is so weird. I thought you were going to go and I was going to say, so that's the worst that we saw the two of them in. That's okay. You you have shown me where the show hit rock bottom. And that was, that was so Danny, awkward. Danny Pops's cherry was the worst part of the show. Um, one of the one of the best pieces of dialogue, though, in the show was, I think it was the morning after, where Danny is practicing his 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 um, his uh, tai chi with her katana, and she goes, "Don't profane my katana with your bullshit Wing Chun." <laughs> it was like, so yeah, Adam, I I think that this show had all the promise in the world and just didn't deliver. You know? Yeah, it was. Uh... It was very, very sad, but um, if they put out season two, I'm going to be there. I am, and look, Danny Rand's going to get another shot because, as we mentioned earlier, The Defenders is coming out the middle of August of this year, 
So it's just around the corner. Do you feel like they're going to have to do damage control with the Defenders? Well, look, they didn't know how Iron Fist was going to land because they started filming the Defenders before Iron Fist came out. So it was what it was. Now, here's, the, here's where I am hopeful with the Defenders. Again, don't have the, the names of the guys in front of me, but the same uh, team that ran the second season of Daredevil is running this, the first season of Defenders. And hopefully they understand Danny Rand and well, where he comes from. Just by their bona fides alone, I, I think they delivered what was a really hard task in, in, in giving us season two of Daredevil because I thought season one was so fantastic. And season two was is my favorite Netflix uh, Marvel show. And I can totally see how it is. And... and I'm, I think I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm kind of torn between that and Jessica Jones. Understandable. Just, just because of the, of the level of writing and characterization in each. Um, but when you think about it, you think, okay. It's so, the difference between an A and an A-. Right. You know, it's just fantastic. They gave it. So that same team is giving us the Defenders. So they really got Daredevil, Elektra, and the Punisher. And they also got the hand. They also got the hand really, really well. Uh, they also got Foggy. They also got Karen. They also got all the background players. You know, they did do little in Iron Fist. The one th- going back to something I liked yeah. was seeing those little nods of Karen Page in the bulletin thinks this is yeah. interesting. Or the letter that Claire got from Luke from Cage. Luke, from that shit Prison. was cool. That, that was, shit was cool. That was deft. It was really agile how they were able to put that shit together. So look... I am super hopeful for the Defenders. Look, the Defenders, they've cast the big bad, and it's none other than Sigourney motherfucking Weaver. Okay, Have they said who she's going to be? Nope, but she's the big bad. They've said that she is the the nominal threat of the, of the entire Defenders series. I'm like trying to dig in my head as to who she could be. She could be playing the Beast for all we know. The Beast is the demon god that the Hand worships. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so it could be the Beast... For all we know, they could be doing a version of, of uh, what was it, Shadowland that they did? Was that the name of that crossover series? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was Shadowland, but I ignored all that bullshit. Okay. It was actually good in parts because of Iron Fist. <laughs> so. I, I just remember not like, I jumped off pretty early on into Andy Diggle's run before he launched into all that you shit. You know, Andy Diggle, who's written so many great comics, he was just tone deaf when it came to Daredevil. Just tone deaf. Well, and, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, look, that's a whole nother show by itself. But who knows who Sigourney Weaver's going to be playing, but they got an actress of real caliber to join the cast as, as the arch nemesis for all these four heroes. Um, they released a little teaser of them just kind of breathing hard like after being in a terrible fight. Did you see that online? No, I've, I stay away from all the, the pre-spoiler shit. It, it was actually just a, it was a viral marketing thing. Oh, it okay. looked like that the four of them were chilling in an elevator. It was like security camera footage, and they were all like... <sighs> <sighs> Like they're all kind of leaning against, and just, ca- catching, just catching their catching breath. Their breath, and Jessica Jones looks up, notices the security camera, and punches it, and that was it. That's cool. So, um, you know, I'm real hopeful for the Defenders. I can't wait to see it. Iron Fist, despite the misfire that it was, has not dampened my my uh, anticipation of that show coming out. So, I'm really looking forward to it. 
Um, and I'm really hopeful for the fact uh, that they very, because of viewership numbers alone, they could very well get a second season of Iron Fist. And the hope that, that comes with that is that we get a change out in the writer's room and get some characters who want to tell a great martial arts adventure. And, and we get to see, especially where they left it, we get to see, we might get to see some legit Kung Lung shit. Sheer, seriously. I was going to say seriously. Yeah. <laughs> shit. Shit and seriously, shit, 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 seriously. Anyway, look, Adam, I think we 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 unpack the shit out of this TV show for yes. for uh, our little capabilities here in the graphic content studios. Um, I'm really looking forward to our next episode that we're gonna uh, get back into comics and talk more creator owned comics. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got some stuff uh, in my head that I'm pretty excited to talk about. Yeah, and I, I always like to tease a little bit, and uh, I've just finished reading Copperhead. And uh, is that book over? Or is it still going? I think it's still going technically, but they take breaks. Okay, so I'm really I'm really eager to talk Copperhead with you. Um, I know last time you talked some stuff in the past and I talked current stuff, uh, we're probably going to switch roles because yeah. I'm going to bring up, uh, I'll, I'll put out a teaser that my my pick of what we're going to talk about is uh, Big and Purple. Interesting. So I think we should leave it there. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. All righty. So next week on Graphic Content, Indie Creators and the Lost Episode, Episode 7, will be available for download the same time Episode 11 is. So we just thought they would make two good bookends, and we're going to put that together. Um, anyway, Adam, where can the kids find you online? As always, at Adam S. Messinger uh, on Instagram, on uh, Twitter. That's kind of where I spend the most time. Facebook. Uh, I forgot I had a Snapchat. There was a friend holy of, shit. There was a friend of mine yesterday. It's like, do you have Snapchat? And I'm like, no. And then later on, I'm like, oh wait, yeah, I do. I just never <laughs> use it. I never use it ever. I, can I can I ask that we do not do a graphic content Snapchat? That will never happen. Okay. I can't run my own, let I, alone me. I was going to say, I, one of those. I just don't. You're going to have to explain it to me because I think I've gotten too old finally. <laughs> uh, well, you're married, so you don't have as much use for it as a single guy like myself. Or, And I'm not a, a married scumbag either, so there is that. Um, well, hey, it's, it's 21st century. I don't judge what you do or don't do. Yeah, but I would be a scumbag if I did that. I love my wife completely. Um, here's the other thing. I'm found on the socials at Jimmers with three M's on Twitter, at Jimmers with five M's, because some asshole had to take three and four M's for Jimmers. So at Jimmers with five M's on Instagram, I'm actually starting to use it now and we're having fun with that. Um, I'm on Facebook where I do most of my political and nerd rantings. Uh, Jim Mason, as well as I manage the uh, graphic content Facebook page on, on Facebook, the Facebook page the on Facebook, Facebook fan page. Oh God! Yeah, we need more more fans. Please, please like our shit and and share it with your friends and family. You know, if if you've got friends out there who dig comics, who dig pop culture, um, movies about superheroes and sci-fi and aliens and zappy things or shit that has explosions in it, chances are we're going to cover it on graphic content. Um, we've got some cool stuff. We're going to have our first creator interview lined up a few episodes from now. We'll tease that next week. Um, we're going to have the return of special guest Jonathan Wright when we review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We've got a whole summer full of movies and geek TV, too. There's uh, a lot of good shit coming up. God, 
and I'm just really looking at my calendar going, how the fuck am I going to do it all? But this is graphic content. We are Jim and Adam. Hit us up on Twitter at Graphic Podcast. We'll both respond to that. We have an Instagram account now that Adam's managing. At, at gra- Graphic... GraphicContent.podcast. Yeah, at GraphicContent.podcast. So for Adam, I'm Jim, and uh, we'll see you next time. And Adam, what are we going to do until then? Go read a comic. See ya.